Wednesday Night Wallop presents. Hello, this is Rylan, the computer boy. Thank you for joining. Rylan Turner's Morning Sports Report. So, the computer is crazy! Crazy, I say! Ryland Turner here for the Christmas Eve edition of Ryland's Morning Sports Report. And this morning we are talking about the biggest sports slash pro wrestling stories of the year 2022. Kyle Joseph, you have joined me for the majority of the sports reports in 2022. So firstly, thank you for keeping me on my toes, getting me into the Olympics. You got me into soccer this year. I couldn't believe it. I, it was I, a you, glorious year, let me tell you. One one suggestion to watch Ted Lasso, and suddenly I can't stop playing FIFA. And I was Ted Lasso for Halloween. It, it got real. It got real weird this year. This morning, Christmas morning, we uh, we have a present for all all our Wednesday Night Wallop listeners. Coming back for his second year in a row on the Christmas edition of the Sports Report, it's Nate Milton. Nate, how are you? What is going on, Brother Ryland, Brother Kyle? Good to be with you. Uh, Merry Christmas to everyone. Happy holidays. Uh, you know, I'm glad to be back for my second year here, but I, I do have to be real with the audience. You know, I used to do a show once upon a time called Keep It 100 with myself and Brian Mann. So I have to keep it 100 here with you, Ryland. Uh, as much as I appreciate the invite, uh, you know the the Christmas Day rate is a little bit higher than my normal rate, so I'm gonna I'm gonna need to make sure that check clears once we get off the air this morning. But uh, be that as it may, it's good to be back with you boys. The check always clears. That is a that is a direct <laughs> quote from you last year, I believe. Um, we we're we're talking the biggest sports stories of 2022. Um, and you know what? For two Canadian guys doing a podcast, not a single hockey story is on this list. Uh, nothing to talk about there. Uh, they, Seattle got a team. Yay. Uh, <laughs> and there's that. Kyle, you, you, you sent me a list of things that you wanted to touch on. Uh, I'm going to let you go first with, uh, Dusty Baker. Uh, what, wh- what are your thoughts on, on this guy and, and what, what, what exactly did you want to talk about? So I remember when we were talking about the, uh, MLB on this show earlier this year, Talking about the hiring of Dusty Baker, how he only got a job in Houston because they were going through a bit of a nightmare scenario. And this is a a guy who has been around the league, has coached teams for years, has dragged so many teams to the playoffs who should not have been there. Cincinnati Reds, I'm staring straight directly at you and through you. A couple of those Cub teams in the, in the early 2000s, probably not quite up that, that level. And let's be real, even those San Francisco Giants teams, they had Barry Bonds, but they had no one hitting behind him, which is why he had over 100 intentional walks that season. Dragged so many teams almost to the promised land. 
I am glad at the end of his career that he was able to get that uh, get that ring that he had fully deserved. And heck, he's going to come back for another go round. And Houston looks like a well oiled machine right now, so it wouldn't surprise me if they challenged for another one. Nate, do you have thoughts on Dusty Baker? Yeah, I was really happy for Dusty Baker and to a lesser extent the Houston Astros. I think Dusty is one of those guys that is a baseball lifer. Dusty will be managing uh most likely until the day he dies, you know, until the day he's no longer with us or or at least involved in Major League Baseball in some capacity. I feel like the closest comparison I have for Dusty Baker and maybe it's because I'm a guy that grew up in the Mid-Atlantic region and this was a player that was a big hero of my dad's and so many in his friend circle. Dusty Baker to me is kind of like the modern day Frank Robinson. Mm. Uh, you know, a guy that's just a lifer in baseball. He's also, you know, you guys being Canadians, you know the story of the Expos slash Nationals. He's the guy you call when the team's kind of in trouble and we just need somebody to steady the ship for a few years. And uh, Frank Robinson did that with the Expos, and Dusty Baker did that and beyond with this Astros team, a team that is still kind of rebuilding its image and, and rebuilding the organization following the World Series title slash cheating scandal. Uh, you know, you can't say one without the other. And so just seeing Dusty put together this squad that was great from top to bottom, the rotation was great, the bullpen just came out throwing fire, and then that lineup uh, was just, you know, stacked. And so I was very happy to see Dusty Baker get his first ring. And, you know, like Kyle was saying, it wouldn't surprise me if they were back in the mix next year. Obviously, as an Atlanta fan, I'm, I'm hoping to see my Braves back in the mix. You know, we, we had a good, solid run this year. You know, the, Met, the Mets thought they did something, Ryland. The Mets <laughs> thought they were doing something this season. You know, they, they led for the majority of the year. And that, that's cute. That's cute. You can lead the NL East for the majority of the year. But at the end of the day, much like the tortoise and the hare, much like the roadrunner and Wiley Coyote, those Atlanta Braves, those world champion Atlanta Braves from a year ago came back and took what is rightfully theirs. We own the NL East, but, uh, you know, the, the playoffs are a different story, but I, I was happy for Dusty Baker, man. Nate, I'm going to start with you on this next uh, topic. Uh, you've mentioned before your disdain for the Golden State Warriors. Um, these guys had such a pro wrestling like run last year. I mean, mm. we've got the story of Clay Thompson missing two seasons with some terrible, terrible knee injuries coming back. And while he is, I mean, I, I don't want to say he's not the player he once was, but uh, still being able to contribute in a huge way, Steph doing it again, being the best NBA player to ever put on a pair of under armor shoes. Uh, <laughs> and not only that, but solidifying himself as one of the greatest to ever touch that ball. Like, uh, I, I don't know. For me, the Warriors have always been a team that um, I, I've always l like, I loved them from a distance. Like, I'm a Canadian, so I cheer for the Raptors, and that's that. And I do love Dallas. I love me some Luka. But um, I don't know. The Warriors are always always a fun team to watch, and, and I think a well-deserved win. Uh, I'll start with you with them. Yeah, you know, you got to tip your cap to the Warriors. This is a organization that from top to bottom is built to compete. You know, every year they're not going to win, but they're going to compete. And you're right. I haven't always been a fan of the Warriors. I am of the mindset that as much flack as LeBron James got for building his super team or as much flack as the Celtics got for building their super team, 
the Warriors did that on steroids when they added KD. Like, it felt like a cheat code. So I, I didn't respect them when they brought uh, Kevin Durant to the Warriors and won those chips. But I feel like this was a good story for this team, that core of that championship team, talking about Steph, Dre, and Clay. And you're right. Clay Thompson is not the Clay Thompson he was four years ago. There's no way he could be coming back from an injury like that. But in almost a Grant Hill type fashion, he's not the guy that we thought he was going to be, but he's still a damn good player on both sides of the ball. He's a good two-way player. And we know what Steph is, man. I, I secretly hope that there would be some way that Steph would, you know, give in to the, to the Los Angeles NWO, uh, NWO Hollywood, if you will, and, and team up with his guy from Akron, LeBron James. But, but, you know, that, that, that wasn't in the cards, Kyle. But this Warriors team and Steve Kerr, I give them begrudging, uh, respect for what they've done and you can't count them out. You know, I think this year, it's going to be a harder road back uh, for both of the teams we saw in the finals last year, the Warriors and the Celtics. But it wouldn't shock me if Golden State was right there at the very end because they've got a culture that's been established. You know, Mark Jackson laid the foundation for that culture. And then Steve Kerr came in like the property brothers and, and put up this beautiful, <laughs> put up this beautiful house on this foundation that Mark Jackson built. And you've got a lot of, you know, you've got your old guys, you know, the clay, Clay, Steph, Draymond, but you've also got some young guys who I think are on the cusp of taking that next step. And so that's a scary thought if you're somebody who was ready to write the eulogy for the Warriors. Oh, that hit me at home. Um, (laughs) Kyle, the Warriors. Steve Kerr quietly has nine rings now. If you can Mm. buy in his player rings and coach rings, he is approaching Bill Russell territory. Which is it, it's 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 wild to think about. Um, he's still only fifty seven. Like, I'll say this: I didn't think that that team was going to be able to rebound. I didn't think that Andrew Wiggins was going to be able to turn his career around the way that he did. Once they um, started to get some injuries, I thought there were going to be concerns. I wasn't sure Clay Thompson was going to be able to recover in the same way that he did. Uh, there were early issues in the season with Draymond Green struggling in a big way as well, but playoffs came and they looked like a well-oiled machine. And, you know, they they weren't even pushed to seven out of the playoffs. It, it was just one of those years where it all came together, it all clicked. Um, and, it's, and looking at it here, the looking back at it, Steph played 64 games, uh, Draymond played 46, and Clay Thompson played 32. And they made the playoffs. There were, there were nights, I remember, where this team, you'd look at that starting lineup and recognizing half the guys, like some of those guys were creative players <laughs> coming out there. And they managed to pull it off. It's, you know, it's all about getting hot at the right time and... They did it, and I got to give them credit. And man, you mentioned Kevin Durant. I feel like this is just another. You do wonder if it's got to sting just a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yes, I, especially, especially with the with the implosion, Riley, because I think that was the one of the other big stories of the NBA last year was just the implosion of the Nets. Yes, and. 
you know, talking about that super team and guys that manufactured their way to play together in the same organization with Harden, Kyrie, and KD. And that thing was like a Jay-Z song, grand opening, grand closing. You know, it it, it didn't t- stand the test of time. And if I'm KD, yeah, I got to be looking at the Warriors like, you know, it's it's. I don't, I'm not saying that this is something you two have ever experienced, you fine gentlemen, but it's like you go to college and you have a couple good years with your girlfriend, then you break up. And, and the whole time you're telling yourself, it was me. I was what made that relationship great, Rylan. Then you hop on Facebook, you hop on Instagram, hop on TikTok, whatever it may be, and you find your ex-girlfriend is now married to a Hollywood producer and she's a successful lawyer. And it turns out your success in the relationship really didn't have much to do with you. Like, you are part of the team, Rylan, but it wasn't all about you. And that's the same way I feel with the Warriors and KD. Like, KD made them better. Like, KD was what they needed to get over the hump against LeBron and those Cavs, but they were already a championship team. They're already a historically great regular season team before KD even joined them. Right. KD is one of those guys who I just, I can't imagine what's going on in his head right now. Just everything that what's happened with Brooklyn and Brooklyn has not seemed to really be clicking at much. I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just not following closely, but I like this year doesn't seem like they're doing much better. And And there are multiple reasons for that. Yes, absolutely. And, and certainly Kyrie, is a big part of that. And, uh, but I also feel like Kyrie has also been a big part of their uh, non-success. Yes. Um, and, and, and that's something that like is kind of like, it's always been a dark cloud over that team. And, and, and I don't know at this point, like whether KD and him are friends or not, like, mm-hmm. I, I think you gotta, do you want to win a championship or do you want to continue? And, and like, don't get me wrong, support your friends, but not when they're doing shit like that. And here's the thing, and I and I don't know how you guys feel about this. Maybe I'm overreaching with this thought, but it to me, Kyrie, we can't take away his greatness as a player. But I've always felt like if Kyrie is the one or one A of your team, you'll have some good nights, you'll get to the playoffs, but you won't be a championship team because of Kyrie's makeup. To me, Kyrie needs a guy like LeBron that can be the Captain America to his Winter Soldier. Uh, and KD, as great as KD is, he's not a LeBron in the sense that I don't feel KD has that kind of command of the locker room that LeBron James did. Like, KD seems like the guy that he wants his teammates to like him. LeBron, yeah, as a human being, I'm sure he wants his teammates to like him, but at the end of the day, LeBron James doesn't give a damn about your feelings. He wants to win. Much like Michael. Much like Michael. Yes. <laughs> Um, moving on from the Warriors and uh, KD and all everything to do with the NBA, uh, let's talk about the Los Angeles Rams. Kyle, what a team that this was last year. And uh, I, I feel like I'm going to have more to say about the halftime show that happened at the Super Bowl than the Rams themselves, but I'll let you start with them. So this one has me conflicted because <laughs> I, I will admit, now, now admittedly, Given the the choice between the two, was I happier to see the Rams win the championship over the Bengals? Maybe just a little bit. That might just be a little bit of pettiness on my side. But did I throw up in my mouth a little bit at the sight of Stan Kroenke hoisting up that trophy? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Here's what I'll say about this Rams team. I'll, I'll give them full credit for putting it together. 
they did they went out and did everything they could to make sure that that team was ready to go that year and as it's starting to look like it might be that year alone mm-hmm. and that's sort of the the big thing is as here's what I'll say about the Rams as we're they have you know traded away their draft picks, we're in a, a mixed-up world where Detroit Lions possess their own draft pick and the Rams draft pick, and the Rams draft pick is going to be worse. <laughs> that It feels wrong that, for that to be the case. but um, It is a common qu- question to sports fans to, uh, to ask, would you rather have a championship and several years of uh, struggle, or would you rather be competitive and never get that ring? And almost, you know, to, for a lot of people, almost to a person, you're going to go around to sports fans and they'll, you know, hand on their heart, tears in their eyes, say they want that ring. But mm-hmm. I feel like I'll give the Rams absolute credit for it. Um, my man Cooper Cup out there looking like an absolute boss. Okay. Uh, just, just, just. I, I'm, I'm sort of curious, and maybe this is, this is a question more for Nate. Is, um, I wonder if Cooper Cup ran track in in high school. Mm. How many brothers do you think were out there asking, or you know, saying to their friends, "You got to believe me, that dude was real fast." I mean, Cooper Cup is the textbook definition of deceptive speed. And here's the thing. You will never hear a black athlete being described as having deceptive speed. It's my, it's my man Cooper Cup. It's Christian McCaffrey. It's, it's Ed McCaffrey. You know, those are my, Jason Seahorn had deceptive speed, Rylan, back in the day. These are my deceptive speed guys. And yeah, like Cooper Cup is a beast. And much to your point, Kyle, this was a team that was designed to win now. And it feels like, you know, those Marlins teams, you know, in the yeah. 2000s that won the World Series, where they loaded up for that year or two, and then they were back in the wilderness. And so when you've got this Rams team that has Cooper Cup, that has Odell Beckham Jr., who was the MVP for the first half of the Super Bowl, in my opinion, when you have Von Miller, when you've got, you know, uh Matt Stafford, you know, who's got this new lease on life coming from the wastelands of Detroit. Everything clicked at the right time. Also, you know, you faced the Bengals team, which was good, yeah. but equally inexperienced. Like, I, 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 I went into that Super Bowl with no dog in the fight because my teams I root for in order are the Atlanta Falcons uh, and then the Kansas City Chiefs because I love yeah, – I'm, like, I'm a Patrick right. Mahomes fan. And I feel like – Granted, there's no way to know this. Uh, you know, I feel like had the Chiefs been there instead of the Bengals, we might be singing a different story. But you can't take anything away from that L.A. Rams team. Like Aaron Donald is going to be going to go down as one of the greatest defensive uh, players of all time. That squad like had the magic for that year. Now the question is: Is that transferable? Is that renewable? Is that repeatable? As we've seen this year, it's not. At least for now. And so. Yeah, like they pushed all the chips to the center of the table to get the ring, and congratulations for the people in L.A. Your fourth most favorite uh, pro sports team won a title uh, in that city, and I don't think they're getting back anytime soon because it's a very small window. Unless you're a team that's built 
year after year after year. Like I think Kansas City is a team that's going to be in the mix year after year after year. The Bills now are a team that's going to be in the mix year after year after year, and I don't see that from the L.A. Rams. I will say this. Uh, I do think that the Rams will say, especially because they've now won that championship, it's better to be fourth than the Chargers, who are probably about eighth <laughs> in terms of. Yes. They're behind – they're behind USC and probably UCLA. Yep, and honest. UCLA. Yes, I was having a conversation with Marcus Vanderberg, uh, my former tag team partner on the Kings of Sport, as well as uh, the professor, Chris Ely from L.A. from Post Wrestling. And I think the power rankings are like Lakers, Clippers, uh, Raiders. Like the Raiders are yep. still one of the most popular teams in L.A. Then yep. we get to the Rams who just won the title. <laughs> I love that the Raiders are ahead. Yeah. I love that the Clippers are ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, um, gentlemen, the halftime show, in my opinion, in the time that I've been alive in 30 years, was the best halftime show I've ever seen, uh, closely followed by Tom Petty. (laughs) What were your thoughts on the halftime show, guys? This is is some Prince erasure that I will not stand. Thank you. you Thank you, Kyle. Thank you. You know what, Prince Prince is in there too. Prince is probably three for me. Just did oh. not know he could play guitar until the Super Bowl. Did not know, like at least that well. Knew he could play guitar, but just goddamn. I'm gonna give um, you. Look, I'm gonna give you the rock here in a second, Kyle. But, but yes, we cannot let this Prince Eraser pass. Uh, and here's the thing, Rylan. All of those halftime shows that you mentioned were great halftime shows. You know, you could throw in Michael Jackson in there if you want Ooh. to. You could throw in. Uh, I think Bruno Mars had the, had a decent mm-hmm. halftime oh, yeah, show his absolutely. year. Absolutely. But the thing is, none of those artists commanded the weather like Prince. This man sang Purple Rain in the rain. In the rain. He used nature. (laughs) Nature as a special effect, Rylan. Nobody else has done that in the history of halftime shows. That guitar behind the sheet. He got one over on the NFL. And they will never forget him. Oh, that was a great show. That was a great hit. And he had the Florida A&M uh, band playing, which was up until Deion Sanders uh, took the money and ran from Jackson State, the most high-profile uh, event that a uh, HBCU band has been at. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, I, you know, I will, I'm not going to – I have my jokes, obviously, and, yeah, Prince is going to remain at the top of my list. Uh, but this was a very good halftime show. And it was one of those shows that I think everybody, as soon as it got announced, knew it was going to be good. And then it just sort of lived up to expectations. Um, I I was surprised with the number of people that they managed to get out. My man Anderson Pack looked like he was having an absolute ball on <laughs> uh, playing the drums. Um, but yeah, it was it was really good. And them going out with. Uh, with Still Dre was was an yes. absolute classic move. Uh, that I was waiting for it. I kept waiting for it because I was expecting them to uh, to finish on a different song. But that was the an excellent choice, and yeah, the show was really good. Yeah, like and first of all, Anderson Pac always looks like he's having a good time wherever Anderson Pac may be. Uh, like he's just a phenomenal dude. Like he, he put out a song. I think it was this year or maybe last year. Uh, like he actually managed to get Andre three thousand back in the booth. Uh, oh, for a feature, and it's a really good song. So I got a lot of love for Anderson Pac. But I agree, Kyle. Like, this was easily top five Super Bowl halftime shows, in my opinion. Like, Prince is still going to be number one for me, not only because of how great it was watching it in the moment, but also now that, you know, Prince is no longer with us, I think that performance is 
one of his statement, you know, statement moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it, you know, as, as great as Prince was for a long time, Purple Rain and then all the albums and, you know, changing his name to the unpronounceable symbol, like that might have been the most eyeballs at one time watching something involving Prince. And so I think that's, that was, that's still going to be my number one, but this was just great. If you grew up in the nineties, uh, if you know, you're a fan of hip hop and honestly for the NFL, it kind it's kind of surprising given their reluctance to kind of embrace, uh, hip hop culture. Uh, so, you know, maybe, maybe we got one thing out of Jay-Z's involvement with the NFL. We didn't get Colin Kaepernick back in the league, but we got a dope halftime show. I can't believe I slept on Prince just just simply because mm. <laughs> just simply mm. because um, I remember watching the halftime like I was going through halftime shows with my with my ex and I turned on the Prince one and I had never seen it before until that moment. And I watched it. And I was just sit- sitting there in awe and she was standing there also in awe, but for different reasons. So she's like, I don't know what it is about him, but he makes me just want to he makes me have feelings that I've never had before. <laughs> and I was sitting there like, great. Great, I, I gotta be Prince now. Like this isn't gonna work. Uh, no, um, for yeah, for, for me this one like uh, it just it felt like it was 2001 again, and we were all partying, and it was just every like I, even even uh, inclusions like Kendrick Lamar, who's like my current favorite rapper, like mm. it, it, incredible performance, and I you know what like honestly like I'm not even a big 50 Cent guy, but when he showed up, I was like oh this is a gr- this is a good time. Everybody's here. Everybody's here. He came down from his from his big executive suite making TV shows all the mm. time to to you know try and be 2001 fitty. Yes, um, it's a testament but, to the Dr. Dre coaching tree that we, we got to see all of his disciples out there. One hundred percent. What was amazing too is I mean Dr. Dre suffered uh, what was an aneurysm at the beginning of the year and mm. and came back only months later to have that performance and I thought he was amazing. So uh, I'll credit the world to him for being able to bounce back like that, and just a turbulent year for for him in general. Like, uh, but to to end it like that, I thought it was great. Moving on from the NFL and the halftime show, uh, Kyle, we 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 spent a few weeks watching nothing but the Olympics. Yeah, we did. It was <laughs> it was a good time. There was. There was a lot of a lot of fast moving people on ice, uh, going down dangerous hills. I, I so I'm I'm always a big Olympics fan. I I'll watch. But the, see, I have the the sports the disease where if sports are on, I will watch them. Mm. And for this to now be two consecutive years where we got an Olympics, having the summer uh, moved to last year, and then obviously the winters uh, being what they were, it was a good time. It was it was in a period of a little bit of turbulence in the world. I mean, you know, what else is new? But it was I, I was impressed with the fact that they were able to pull off the event uh, as it was, that there was... It felt like some version of normalcy for a little bit, which was really nice. And the a lot of the performances kind of bleed together. And then there's also the, you know, the uncomfortable question of uh, when is the next time we're going to let Russia do, do sports again? Because mm-hmm. uh, the answer is not soon. 
but see that that's probably the last time uh, for that for a while and the, and the controversies and everything that came that came with all of that. But you know what? Ultimately, the event was pulled off. It, it seemed to be a success. I it wasn't sure that you know the Winter Olympics were a good idea in a place that didn't have a mountain, but they managed to figure it out. And if there's one thing that China can do, it's logistics. So they logistic their way through it, and yeah. It was it was a it was Olympics for sure. Uh, the one thing I will say about the, the year 2022 is it it really felt like for sports anyway it was kind of like the year where everything kind of went back to normal post pandemic mm-hmm. fully anyway. I mean we had full crowds again and we, and everything just kind of got back to normal or I guess the new normal. And uh, it, it the Olympics for me like I I've, like I was a fan as a kid but I kind of dropped off in my teens and early 20s and late 20s. Um, and just, just almost didn't pay attention or didn't care. But this one was the first one where like, Kyle, I was living on Olympic time. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was up at all hours of the night watching curling. Like it was like boxing, just, just drinking beer and, and screaming at my TV while two Canadians and two Swedish guys threw rocks down a sheet of ice. <laughs> uh, it let was, let it, me tell you, Los Angeles cannot come soon enough. Yes. This, this overseas Olympics uh, <laughs> is it is messing with my sleep schedule in a way that it, it I wish it wouldn't. Uh, Nate, did you participate in the Olympics this year? No, no, I didn't. Here's the thing: you mentioned that 2022 was kind of the year where sports got back to a new normal, and I think life for a lot of people got back to a new normal, and so my work schedule got back to a new normal, which meant I didn't have the time I had in 19 and 20 and 21 to a certain extent to watch the amount of sports I normally would. And so something's got to give. And so the Winter Olympics, I I liked the Winter Olympics when I was a kid and when I was in college, but much like you, I just kind of drifted off. And my only real interest in the Winter Olympics was – you know, when black people are doing well in the Winter Olympics, because that's like the that's like the corollary to the deceptive speed. When when I mean, you got a black speed skater or a black bobsledder doing Shout well. Shout out to people, Aaron Jackson. Yes. People are like, wait a minute. How, how did this happen? And I'm like, it's the same way Cooper Cup got behind your secondary. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. um, same thing. Exact same thing. So, no, I didn't watch it. You know, I, I think, and it's funny because when we were, you were talking about the Olympics, uh, you know, we're pre-show, I thought because the way time works post-pandemic is weird and, and wibbly and wobbly, I was thinking we were talking about the Olympics from last year because I'm like, didn't the Summer Olympics just happen? And I'm like, no, that was 21. And so, yeah, uh, long story short, I, I didn't watch the Winter Olympics, but uh, – I did play the fun Google do- Google Doodle uh, based around the Winter Olympics. I played that for a few days. That was fun. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, you got something out of it. Yes. Kyle, your your World Cup predictions have really gone askew. Uh, you you picked England and Brazil to headline the World Cup this year, and Listen. they are not. Listen, I expected that England was going to get knocked out on penalties. I didn't expect that it was going to just be one. I expected that there would be a bunch of penalties and that they'd get eliminated that way. Instead, that honor went to the, the team I'm supporting, the Netherlands, uh, who got their hearts absolutely broken by Lionel Messi. Um, 
this World Cup has been hard. Yeah. <laughs> this is, I'll say this. I am a person who has always enjoyed the World Cup. I, I love watching uh, the beautiful game. I, I, I'm admittedly a fan, especially, and the fact that Canada qualified for it, I, I was fully here, and Canada full-on crashed out of this World Cup. But they you know ran what? it out real quick. It was a learning experience. A lot of those guys are in their early 20s. Uh, they were playing against some really strong teams, two of whom are still here. Croatia and Morocco give full credit to them. Um, but at this point, like, so starting with whatever comedy I can get out of ring out of this, um, it is interesting to see that uh, with France and Morocco uh, doing battle, um, it's a battle of North Africa. And it's going to be interesting to see which of those two North African nations is going to be able to pull it out. Um, and for those of you who are asking me to, to look at a map as to where France is, I would suggest that you have a look at that French team. And um, their passports say France. But uh, the, the family history, that's the thing. France has long had a very... Un- um, uncomfortable relationship with its uh, colonial history right up until World Cup time. And then they mm. need them boys to win that title. Um, the, but I'll, I'll say this. To be honest, after the, the tragedy with Grant Wall, I am... Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, that just removed me from it, to be honest. And there's not... We have to, it's hard to remember when these sporting events are on, especially ones that are in, held in places with dictators who are using it as an opportunity to basically act as a tourism guide. Mm. Um, we've got to, there's, it's, it's hard for that to stay in mind while you're actually watching the event. But there's sometimes these things come come to a place where you just can't ignore it anymore. And I feel like that where, you know, over a T-shirt, he's getting, um, you know, snatched up by the government and taken into, you know, surprise prison. And he's winding up uh, dead a few days later. It's... Mm-hmm a really, really tragic situation. And, yeah, I, it, it's na- it is a lot harder to stick to sports when it is so close to the sports, these, you know, real life coming and hitting you in the face like that. Nate, have you been watching? Uh, no, I haven't, but to echo Kyle's sentiment, uh, you know, RIP to uh, Grant Wall, like, I think that you know, even if you weren't a fan of soccer, you know, if you just grew up reading Sports Illustrated, mm. you know, this is somebody that if you didn't like know by face, you knew by his words. And so, you know, you know, thoughts and prayers and, and, and you know, blessings to his family in this time. And, and it's, it's, it's rough, man. And so the World Cup was always going to be a tough sell for me for three reasons. Number one, I'm not the biggest soccer fan, except for, you know, on video game consoles. I, I do love FIFA. Yeah, so good. So good. Uh, number two, uh, you know, as Kyle alluded to, 
the politics of it all. You know, like I'm, I'm the type of person that I, I've watched maybe two minutes in total of any of those WWE Saudi shows. And so this felt like a month long version of Crown Jewel to me. And I'm not mm-hmm. here for that. And then the third thing is, you know, speaking of wrestling, I like when a new talent is built up organically and not shoved down the audience's throat. And as an American, I sat here in the run-up to the World Cup, Ryland, and and had to watch commercials with John Hamm and Santa Claus and Mariah Carey showing up and people telling me, this is the year. America's great. They've got the best squad in the world. And like, no, no, they don't. Why, why are you trying to lie to me, John Hamm? Like, why are you trying to lie to me, Mariah Carey, and all of these commercials and all these corporate sponsors? Like, just be real with your audience. Like, America is is a nation that has a specific spot in soccer. Like, it's better than it was, you know, in the 90s when, you know, we had that big World Cup in, in America, and, like, everybody thought that was going to be the year. And I was really in, like, they got me that time, Rylan, like, that Alexi <laughs> Lawless, you know, Kobe Jones squad. Like, they, yeah, I was hook, line, and sinker. They got me on that one. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. I'm not going to do it, John Ham. So that's why I didn't watch a lot of this. But uh, I will say, again, much like the Winter Olympics, whenever an African nation does well in the World Cup, even if I'm not paying attention, it does make me smile. You know, I, I smiled when Cameroon had some success a few World Cups ago, and now when, uh, you know, Morocco is, is, is out here doing big things, it, it makes me happy. So uh, I guess by default I'm cheering for Morocco, even though I'm not going to watch a minute of that Morocco match. It's fair. That's fair. I, I will say I wasn't sure. I didn't realize if they're telling you that the U.S. is going to win, they cloned Christian Pulisic ten times. and <laughs> over and over again. It turns out there's other players, and yeah, we're, we found that out the hard way, too. turns out you need more than one really great player. You need a yes. bunch of them. The other countries have the whole team, so yeah. Moving away from the World Cup, guys, it's time to get into pro wrestling in the year that was 2022. The biggest stories. Mm. There's a lot to talk about here, guys. We're going to start with the biggest one, I think. Vince McMahon steps down as the CEO of WWE, also removes himself from creative a few weeks later. Uh, lots of scandal going on with Vince. Nate, I'm going to go to you first. I know you've covered this already, but uh, let's, let's, let's reopen this wound. Yes, yes. So this is not only the biggest story in wrestling of 2022, but arguably the biggest story in wrestling in the last decade. You know, you can make a strong case for that because Vince McMahon is somebody who is not only synonymous with his company, you know, the WWF slash WWE, but for a lot of folks, Vince McMahon was professional wrestling, you know, particularly to people that weren't as hardcore or weren't as dedicated fans of the business. You know, Vince was that guy. Vince was P.T. Barnum. You know, Vince is, you know, Jerry Jones with the Cowboys. He's the guy you think of when you think of that brand. And fortunately, we haven't seen any pictures of Vince at high school yet, uh, but I'm sure they're out there. Uh, Vince growing up in North Carolina. Vince has made some questionable decisions himself. Yes. Uh, But I think, you know, this is a thing where we talked about it a lot on post-wrestling, you know, we, our first live edition of the NWA podcast was 
centered around Vince McMahon's stepping down, his removal, his dismissal, however you want to phrase it. Basically, Vince McMahon dealing with the consequences of his actions. And it's at once surprising that it took so long for all the dirt Vince has done over the years, Kyle, to catch up to him. But it's also kind of like an Al Capone situation where it wasn't the the bootlegging or the murder that ultimately did Al Capone in. It was the tax evasion. For Vince, it really wasn't, you know, the sexism or the affairs or, you know, possibly covering up murders in the past or any of his other questionable behaviors. It was he was messing with the church's money. And that's ultimately what I think got Vince out of the paint because it became not only a public relations scandal, but they're like Vince is hurting business. And so I was shocked, you know, where we had that that week. Ryland, where Vince McMahon comes out after these allegations on SmackDown and Raw, basically like, hey, guys, I'm still here. You you, you love me, right? I'm Vince. I, I made all this happen. And then a week or so later, he's gone and presumably gone for good, if not for a long, long time. And so, yeah, like it's a story that we're continuing to see ramifications and, and, and repercussions from. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, you know, Paul Levesque kind of stepping into the big chair, uh, that, that was vacated by Vince, but it's easily like far and away the, the biggest story of the year in pro wrestling. Kyle, your thoughts on this? It is, it is, it is, can't be overstated how monumental a shift it has been. Vince McMahon, as you said, was out there strutting mm-hmm. while these allegations were happening. He he has always been Nero in these situations, and this time it turns out, yeah, you don't mess with the shareholders. That's what burned him. And the big – Vince McMahon wrestled a match this year. Mm-hmm. It is – it is very strange to see a WWE world or a wrestling landscape in general where Vince McMahon isn't a part of it. And, you know, it's one of those things that I think the comparison for me, it's sort of a weird one, but it's a very specifically Canadian one, was the queen dying. And it's one of those things mm-hmm. where it's not necessarily something I, I care about deeply, but it is something that you it was taken for a given. There's always a queen. There's always a Vince McMahon. He's just going to be in charge of WWE. He will die in that chair eventually. And the idea of him dying is so foreign and impossible that it's never going to happen. And, yeah, he's now gone. They seem to be humming along fine without him. And it was what surprised me, I think, is how business as usual everything got to very quickly. And mm-hmm. I do wonder if Vince had stayed, if there was another story that was going to come out, if there was more things we were going to find out about, if there was more fire to put on this. But with Vince sort of stepping to the side, I do wonder if he, if they were able to, WWE was able to bury some of that stuff uh, underneath. Um, yeah, this was, again, it's a, it's an absolutely massive story. It, I, you know, as a person who didn't grow up 
in Vince's greatest, like in the great moments of, of wrestling, or I'll say this, I guess I have, uh, you know, attitude Vince was definitely a, a big figure in, in my early wrestling watching life, but I, I can say comfortably good riddance. And yeah, I, the tragedy of it obviously is that it's another thing that they were able to brush under the rug. Uh, they were able to get one more, Vince was able to get one more scandal, uh, slip and slip through the net of it one more time, but I don't know. I feel like the wrestling landscape is more interesting at very least without Vince's part of it. I think the the thing for me that got me the most about all this is when the, the allegations first came up, I think the general consensus among wrestling fans was, well, he, it'll be fine. He'll get away with it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone expected the the waterfall that was to come uh, in the following weeks, uh, leading to his eventual uh, stepping down. And I do want to say, I did. I do want to. I'm, I'm not going to pat myself on the back too much, but I do want to say, I did say, if they find out that that hush money was shareholder money, that was going to mm-hmm. got him. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, yeah. It turns out. I gotta say, to not pay your hush money out of pocket. <laughs> that is a move of a man who did not think he could be taken down. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's especially for someone who always says he knows what's best for business. That wasn't best for business at all. Uh, we're gonna transition right into uh, Triple H taking over, pun fully intended. Uh, I've got that joke over three times now. Um, Triple H is now sitting where Vince sat, and I. And that's another thing that like. When Vince was in charge, especially more recently with him pulling Triple H off the road after his mm-hmm. uh, health issues and kind of removing him from that spot in NXT, I mean, wrestling fans everywhere kind of assumed that this was a punishment for not being able to kind of topple over AEW. Um, and obviously we don't know that. But it very, It could have very well been he, he wanted to change things up, and that's what Vince does. So, um, And we saw it, unfortunately, all year with NXT up until recently. Um, Triple H is taking over. He's now leading creative. Uh, Kyle, I'll start with you. I know you haven't taken too much in, but we have watched a little bit together. Uh, what are you noticing? Uh, are some of the positives so far? Sammy didn't get to wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing I'll say about this, and I feel like the house isn't new. But they did a they did put in a fresh coat of paint. I feel like a lot of the storylines, a lot of the featured players, a lot of the you know key factor, the key components of this puzzle that WWE has in place right now as its current um, roster construction, as its current uh, the champions and the, and the key figures of the WWE haven't really changed in a major way. Especially, we're in a we're in a world where WWE is in their comfort zone um, when they have one guy at the head of the company, and the head of the company is the head of the table right now, and it has been for an a Hulk Hogan amount of time. Um, apologies for bringing up his horrible name, but <laughs> I will say it has been it things have been improved. A lot of the people who were gone seem to be coming back, who almost to a person 
I think probably to a person, all of the people that they've hired back have been people that they never should have gotten rid of in the first place. Mm. And it's always good to see uh, all those people getting jobs again. It's good to see the product moving in an interesting direction. Quietly, Seth Rollins is having one of the best years of his career, which is saying something because it's Seth Rollins. But it's been it's it's in a place where it's watchable again for me. And I was in a place with Vince that I feel like it wasn't all bad, but you always had to take the good with the bad. I don't know that the highs are necessarily higher than the Vince than than recent Vince era, but the lows are so much higher. Mm-hmm. I feel like that what Triple H has been good at is delivering solid storytelling and consistent a consistent product. Not even you know there are going to be days and matches and um, episodes of Raw. Yeah, exactly. That are more remarkable than others, but the biggest thing that WWE has to be able to do is they have seven hours of weekly television to film. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, main event and everything else that they've got to do. But A shows they have seven hours of weekly TV and you got to get through it and you got to um, make it as watchable as you can for the, for the wrestling fan. And to their credit, that is what they're doing right now. And I, I have to give full credit to Triple H for doing that. And the only thing I can have to say about it is I hope he's still, you know, doing okay personally because I do think a lot of this was maybe thrust back upon him because he's mm. kind of the only person in the company who can really do this right now. And I hope he's doing okay, that he's not, you know, sacrificing himself and putting himself through hours that he shouldn't be in order to get this done. Yeah, I think the key word that uh, Kyle mentioned, Rylan, is consistency. You know, and and that feels like the WWE has some consistency right now after Vince's dismissal, after the kind of mini Games of Thrones uh episode that we had where we don't know. It's like, what's Hunter's situation? What's Steph's situation? You know, how much power does Nick Khan have in this entire scenario? And now we've got a little bit more of a clearer vision of the company going forward, at least in the immediate future. And the programming has reflected that. You know, it's not all great. I would consistently say that these shows are about, you know, B, B minus, C plus in that range for me. Whereas before, you'd have a show with an A segment and then the rest was Fs. And we get those kind of wild swings in quality. Now it's a little bit more coherent, a little bit more co- consistent. Um, I think the biggest thing when you talk about the talent is Triple H is getting to use a lot of his draft picks. When you talk about the talent that was let go or the talent that was yep. underutilized, Hunter's like, Hunter has an affinity for these performers in a way that Vince didn't because these are his kids, so to speak. You know, these yep. are the, the, the performers that he brought to the table. And it's like, I'm sure there were nights where he's at home watching Raw or SmackDown and seeing what, you know, Karrion Cross is doing or seeing what, you know, uh, some of these other NXT call-ups were doing. And he's just like, like you, you, you're wasting the talent. You're wasting their potential. And so now he's got the chance to truly maximize the, the, the talent of these people on the roster. Obviously, Roman Reigns is still your big A number one guy. Uh, you know, heading into WrestleMania, 
the big word on the street, the scuttlebutt, if you will, Kyle, is that uh, the world's biggest movie star who just had a big box office flop, but we still love him, uh, Dwayne The Rock, Black <laughs> Adam Johnson, uh, could could be coming back to, to the Fed. But if you, if we you don't, ask Dwayne Johnson, that movie was not a flop. <laughs> and here's the thing, like, okay, and then I'm going to spoil the, the, the review that I'm going to do in January for this film uh, on the Rocky Mavia Picture Show, but I enjoyed it. Like, was it Shakespeare? No, but it wasn't, to me, a terrible movie. It's just there's a certain standard of, of, of uh, return on their investment that these Warner Brothers movies needs, and it just didn't meet that. Uh, and they also probably should have released Black Adam in the summer. I think it would have done better as a summer movie versus, hey, kids, come see this holiday movie where Dwayne The Rock Johnson fights demon skeletons. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> and also Black Panther, Wakanda Forever is in the theaters, which is eating up all of Black Adam's uh, audience uh, once that released. But uh, I, I think if you bring Rock back, that's another exciting piece of the puzzle. Uh, Cody Devontae Rhodes is still out there after his great debut at WrestleMania this year. You know, I'm intrigued to see how they work Cody back into the mix coming off of his injury. Uh, you know, Bianca Belair is doing great things. You know, Hunter brought back Bailey and uh, Io Shirai and Dakota Kai. And so the women's division seems to be gelling a bit more. Uh, Ronda Rousey notwithstanding. But I think if you're a WWE fan and a fan of wrestling in general, there has to be optimism with this product, which is something that I'm not sure we could have said about the WWE this time last year. Yeah. And I will, I will second that thought on Ronda Rousey. Like for somebody, <laughs> I, I, when she came in, I was super high on her. I was super high on all the matches she was happen, ha- having, thought her and Alexa Bliss work great together. I thought her and Nia Jax work, yes. work great together. And it's Nia Jax. Um, I'm not a fan, but needless to say, this year has been like the year where Ronda, I feel like, has just taken a, a downswing, and it just, it had, nothing is working for me. Mm. Nothing is working. And well, the difference is, look back at the matches, the difference always is, Ronda is so much better in the ring if she doesn't have to be the person, um, Correct. if she doesn't have to carry the match. Mm-hmm. True, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Her best matches are against because she can pull off some impressive moves, and she's very good at fighting from underneath, and surprisingly good at selling uh, submission stuff and transitioning submissions into other other places. Her chemistry with Charlotte was always a little bit wonky, but Bailey, Sasha, even even some other like Alexa Bliss, who is a, a very solid wrestler in her own right. When she's in there with somebody who is a very who's a sure pair of hands, she mm-hmm. can deliver her end. Of the, uh, her end. She'll she'll rise to that level. It's just, you know, I I'm a fan of Liv Morgan, but you're asking a lot of Liv Morgan to be in be mm-hmm. the most experienced of the two wrestlers. Yes, Liv Morgan, Shotzi Blackheart, like a lot of these mm-hmm. girls coming up from NXT, and I think when you look at that first Ronda run, she was very protected. They put up like the, they put up the bumpers on, on the bowling lane, Ryland, and Rhonda was just strike after strike after strike. And then they take the bumpers off and you're like, huh, Rhonda's not getting as many strikes as she used to. And it's because we're not surrounding her with people like Triple H and Steph and Kurt Angle, Charlotte, Becky, Sasha, Bailey, like Nia Jax, whatever you think about Nia Jax in ring, I think the physicality between yeah. her and Rhonda oh, just great clicked. match. It was a yeah. great match. 
So I think now we're seeing Ronda Rousey, like it's Kyrie Irving. Like we saw what you did with LeBron. Now go lead a team, Kyrie. Mm-hmm. 100%. Wow. Uh, that's a really good comparison. Um, moving on. Uh, actually, the one thing I will say about Triple H, uh, in this segment is, uh, he is slowly but surely rebuilding the WWE, uh, 2K22 roster. Piece by piece. <laughs> Um, and it's, it's great. Uh, the big one for me, Bray Wyatt, like as much as I have, mm. he hasn't done a, a ton yet. I, I, I expect him to have a big part in the Royal Rumble. I'm excited about Bray Wyatt. Like, and I, and that was something that I wasn't while he was there. Like mm. the fiend was exciting in the beginning, but they quickly found a way to ruin that. And, um, and they also quickly found a way to get Seth Rollins to have to be a heel again. I don't get me wrong. Kyle, I'll echo the the sentiment that you said. Seth Rollins is quietly having one of the best years of his career, and he is an incredible worker, but this gimmick did not start hot. And slowly but surely, he has made it work. And I I saw him live just a few months ago. Tremendous, tremendous stuff. And uh, so, like, yeah, but yeah, Triple H, it's an interesting um, situation, just, again, based on what we all thought his his stature was in the company at the time. Uh, moving on out of uh, WWE land and going over to AEW land. Guys, uh, some things happened in September uh, mm. after a show called All Out uh, and uh, repercussions were had. Uh, it seems like uh, some people are going to carry on their way, their wayward uh, and and move forward with that. But uh, let, let's let's open this up. Um, CM Punk said some things in the press conference that uh, Kyle and I discussed on the show afterwards, and, and, and we both agreed that unbecoming of a champion in a company, unbecoming of the top guy, regardless as to your feelings about whomever, this is, you're talking to the people who are printing the words that, you know, are, are you know, the, the, the media is, is not one to be trifled with. <laughs> um, mm. and, and to just go after them like that for, Whatever his reasons were, I mean, as much as I am a CM Punk fan, and as much as I do believe that everyone has a right to defend themselves, and certainly if he feels like that was his stance, I get it, but it it went too far. It went too far, and then afterwards, uh, the Young Bucks apparently uh, kicked his door in, and a dog was assaulted, and Kenny Omega was bit, and things got wild. Uh, Kyle... Actually, you know what, Nate? I'll start with you on this one. <laughs> what do you make of all this? I mean, I just have one question to answer your question, Rylan, and that is, do you know the Muffin Man? Because <laughs> my man Phil Brooks was out here as salty and as ornery as he wants to be, Kyle, eating breakfast pastries, getting everything off his chest. And it's crazy. In a year where we've got uh, CM Punk popping off on his boss at a press conference. In a year where we've got Cody Rhodes leaving AEW and going to WWE, all of this stuff is overshadowed and swallowed up by Vince McMahon. Like, in any other year, those would be the biggest stories of the year. And it just shows you how wild 2022 was, guys. And so when we talk about AEW, obviously you can't talk about this year without talking about CM Punk and what went down. And we talked about this over at Post Wrestling. And, yes, CM Punk has a lot of responsibility to bear in how everything went down. I also put some responsibility on the EVPs and Tony Khan. Uh, but also, I feel like, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm in the tank for Cody Rhodes, but I feel like 
had Cody Rhodes been there, maybe things don't get to that point because as much as I have respect for Kenny and the Bucks, Cody just felt like an adult mm-hmm. as an EVP mm-hmm. as compared to the yeah. other guys who were kind of learning the job and getting on the job training. Cody was already there because it was in his blood. You know, Cody got that from Dusty, you know, in terms of knowing how to run a promotion, knowing how to run a territory. And so I think the absence of Cody showed there. Um, I think AEW is in a really interesting space right now because to use, you know, kind of Marvel Cinematic Universe terminology, phase one of AEW is over. Mm-hmm. You know, phase one is done. And now we're in this new phase where Cody's gone. CM Punk is gone. You know, We've got Triple H, you know, running things in, in WWE now. What does that do to your roster? What does that do to some folks that came to you when Vince was in charge? And now they're looking back at Hunter like, hmm, how, how many more days do I have on this contract, Kyle? Uh, and so the product is still strong. The product is still good. AEW to me is a lot more consistent than WWE, even with Triple H in charge. But they've got some decisions to make. I think putting a belt on MJF was a good move. I think he's still one of the top heels in the business. You've got a lot of up and coming guys, guys like Ricky Starks, uh, you know, Swerve, uh, you know, Hangman Page is still in the mix. Like I feel like Hangman Page's story in that title picture is not finished. It's not done. Like I feel like he's another guy that kind of caught astray in the CM Punk saga. So I'm interested to see where Hangman goes from here. Um, and then, of course, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about ROH and, and what's going on with them. But, yeah, it, it was a a crazy year for AEW, in my opinion, Ryland. And they had some really good shows. They had some really good pay-per-views. Oh, yeah. uh, but, unfortunately, I think some of that was overshadowed by the backstage nonsense. I mean, certainly. I mean, like, we've got a situation currently where William Regal is left after a year, uh, just under a year, I guess. Uh, with AEW, and I mean, like, this is a guy who I feel like was somebody that they used very well. Lots of TV time for this guy. Uh, tons of hitting on Excalibur, which everyone loved. <laughs> um, tons, of, just tons of great stuff from William Regal, and it's really sad. To, and not to say that, like, don't get me wrong, he wants to go back and he wants to work with this kid. I'm all for that. I, I, I and I'm happy to see that. I mean, today, or, or I guess a few weeks ago, it was announced that. Uh, He's getting a vice president role within the company, and it looks like he's he's back with WWE, and he's, mm-hmm. everything is is good for him. And, and don't get me wrong, I think that's great. Um, but I, I mean, if some of this stuff didn't go down, would we be still looking at this? Maybe, maybe not. I think I think Triple H going getting into power has more to pl- play with that than anything else. But like, you never really know. Like, like the, it's been tumultuous in this locker room. This wasn't the only brawl in the locker room. We also had Andrade and Sammy Guevara. Mm-hmm. We also had Eddie Kingston and Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara seems to be the common denominator <laughs> there. I'm just going to say that. Uh, and he also didn't get suspended for one of those uh, brawls, and the other one did. So we'll just – anyway, moving on. Kyle, what are your thoughts on the brawl-out situation? I've I've already talked sort of at length of this on the show, but I'll I'll say I'll say a couple things. One, I don't know that I've ever been angry enough at a person that I haven't been able to sit down in a room and, and hash things out afterwards. And I feel like there's a lot of there's obviously a lot of egos in in this business and there kinda has to be. It's it's kind of the nature of the business is that if you don't have that 
it's hard to drive yourself to push yourself to get to that level. But there's the the other side of that is that it is, you know, it can be a double-edged sword. And if you are the type of person who these things can get under your skin or, or there's those slights you call, or are a person who holds onto those slights, you know, it, it gets difficult. There is nobody who comes out of this looking good, obviously. The EVPs, um, CM Punk, obviously Tony Khan. Uh, that is, it's not a good look when, you know, people are, are fighting. It's it, it, You want to have some level of control over those things, and you want everybody to be working together. It's kind of dangerous if people are have that level of animosity at each other because, you know, you're putting your life in your opponent's hands every time you go out there and wrestle. But I'll say this. I can't imagine how tricky it is for, let's say, an Eddie Kingston to be able to see eye-to-eye with someone like... It's harder to, to pick individuals out, but let's say, let's say even Miro. Mm-hmm. Their careers are so radically different. The two guys are about the same age, but the type of the difference in what they've done before they got here is so starkly different. And that's a big thing about. I don't begrudge Tony Khan for any of the hires he made. It's Miro or Malachi Black or Pac or you know John Moxley or if those guys come available, you sign them. Obviously. They're extraordinarily talented, incredibly creative, over as all get out, and, you know, show up to every match and elevate it. Why would you not want that person on your roster? Brian Danielson. The other side of it is that you kind of, you know, said you're going to be different than than the WWE. You're going to be the place where you're giving a lot of these people who cut their teeth on independence, you're going to be the place where they're going to be able to elevate. And the reality is there's only so much time that you're able to show things off. And it's one of those things that eventually you're not going to have something for everybody and you're going to have to make harder decisions. Now I think having ROH is going to be a huge benefit to be able to have another place and another TV show where you can put people and another roster where you can put people and have them, you know, do a year or a couple years in ROH and maybe have that as uh, partly a developmental um, thing if you wanted to do that too for some of the, the really talented young wrestlers that they have on their roster. But the big thing is ultimately it's disappointing the way that things shook out. I do still hold out hope that there is some sort of feature for CM Punk in in AEW, even though, yeah, I'm not the biggest CM Punk fan. I, I didn't grow up in that era. But there's a lot of people who want to see him have that last run and go out on his own terms. And the way that he has gone out, while you could argue it's, Kind of on his own terms, I don't think this is the way that anybody wanted it to go. And I feel like even me, who is, you know, far from the biggest CM Punk fan, um, it is be- it would be better to see him back and able to work with these people again and able to have that tail into the career that he wanted. That uh, A lot of other wrestlers are getting that opportunity, like Christian and Edge are getting that, that last chance. 
Um, Matt Hardy's getting that last run. Sting is having the run of his life right now. Yep. <laughs> um, he, he hasn't. He has almost not all that step, but you know, it's it is really really great to see some of these legends and how well AEW has used some of their le- the people legends that they've had. Uh, Jake Roberts, another one that they used very very well, but yeah. It's a tricky locker room to deal with, and Tony Khan, let's say, I'll say this, his passion and love for wrestling has carried him through in a way that if you look at the other ventures he's been involved with, um, they have not had nearly as many nice things to say as the wrestling community has had. <laughs> so he, if he wants to keep this thing to being the the well-oiled match, you know, match of the year producing machine that it has been in, in times past, he's going to have to be able to put on his big boy pants and deal with these situations. And things have been okay since the brawl out. There hasn't been nearly as many, at least none of the stuff is getting public at this point. I don't know what the state of the locker room is because I'm not in it. But the reality is that it does need to get better than that low point. Hopefully it does, because frankly, the wrestling landscape is better, especially for the wrestlers when they have options and mm-hmm. legitimately good options in both companies. And that's what we're at right now. And that's, it's so much better. I'll ask both of you before we move on to the final topic of the, uh, the show before we hit our predictions. Uh, do you uh, likely, unlikely Nate, CM Punk returns to AEW. You know, Kyle mentioned uh, the national treasure that uh, doesn't get enough credit for being a national treasure just a moment ago. Of course, it is that man called Sting. And one of Sting's most famous sayings, Ryland, is the only thing for sure about Sting is nothing's for sure. And so it would be very easy for me to say no. Like, there's too much animosity. There's too much... Uh, friction, uh, there, there's bad blood, you know, the relationship between CM Punk and Tony Khan has crumbled like so many breakfast muffins, uh, never to be put <laughs> back together again. But I would say, cause I've had people ask me, you know, do you think Punk will show up in WWE or AEW? My thing on that is I think Punk is done for a while. If he is going to show up in any company, it would more likely be AEW because let's, let's, uh, look back at his run. Like for all of the bad of CM Punk this last, you know, year or really like the last couple months of CM Punk's run, CM Punk did a lot of good for that company. You know, CM Punk for a while made Rampage a must watch show. CM, CM Punk brought a lot of eyeballs to AEW that previously were not watching. CM Punk, help this company get, you know, million-dollar pay-per-view buys. And so, yeah, for all of the bad that you can talk about the way he left the company, he helped them out a lot too. And so it would not surprise me that Tony Khan, who is a guy who is still learning in this role, you know, despite being a billionaire, despite, you know, running this magnificent franchise known as the Jacksonville Jaguars to a certain extent, uh, T- Tony Khan. Shout out to Trevor Lawrence. Shout out. Yes, Trevor Lawrence. Who? I mean, he's Sunshine is good. Like we know, Sunshine's a good quarterback, but the organization around him just has to get better. <laughs> uh, but I think with Tony Khan, like again, you know, this is our Christmas show, guys. A year ago, almost to the date, 
is when Tony Khan sent out that ridiculous New Year's Eve tweet about Big Swole. And, And so it's like Tony is still learning how to be a boss. Like I think my biggest critique of Tony Khan is sometimes he's a little reckless with his words and he's not strict when he needs to be strict. You know, for all we say about Vince McMahon, most of them bad things, there's no way Vince would have tolerated what CM Punk did at All Out. Like, that would have been a wrap. Like, that, yeah. Yeah, there would have there would have been no way Vincent Kennedy McMahon would have allowed that to happen. And so my hope is that Tony Khan continues to grow as an owner, continues to grow as somebody who can relate with talent and produce TV and sign these deals. Because, as Kyle mentioned, like, AEW being strong is good for the business, particularly with this ROH component. Uh, but that's a long way of saying, um, I'm, I'm gonna give you like the, 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 I'm gonna take the over on, uh, on CM Punk coming back to AEW. I think if he comes back to wrestling at all in the next year or so, it'll, it will be AEW, but I'm not holding my breath, guys. Kyle? I, the more time, we go without him confirming that he's released from his contract. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's on an injury that is going to, is, you know, will, is still going to keep him out probably for the first half of 2023 as well. The more time I think it's just not over. There's, <laughs> there's something about this business that calls people back. And I do think when you, you saw him out there, you know, celebrating with those crowds, I do think he missed it. And it would be a shame for it to be end the way it did. I think he knows that too. Uh, I would agree. Uh, guys, Tony Khan bought Ring of Honor and has put out three pay-per-views. Uh, he's played real coy with this TV deal. I think that's what I want to start with. Um, Kyle, this is, uh, this is something that you think is a positive, and I, I, that's not a sentiment I'm seeing a lot online and throughout the rest of the community, so why don't you give me your take on this? Um, so I'm not, I'll say this off the rip. I'm not an ROH fan. I have no past experience with ROH. It was not a promotion that was, it was on my radar. I was aware of it. I would watch maybe the occasional match, but this isn't something I've been ride or die for. So it's similar to ECW. I can give you my opinion on it from the perspective as a wrestling fan, but I'm not ride or die for this thing. So I can't give you an opinion as a fan of ROH. I do think, again, AEW's situation right now is such that they could use a bit more TV time for some of the people that they have. And having a roster of maybe 30 people cordoned off, some really talented ones among that, Claudio has a title, Samoa Joe has an ROH title, um, Athena has an ROH title. These are really, really talented wrestlers. And they're people who, you know... Not only can they um, draw eyeballs and carry a company, they could carry matches with some younger up-and-coming talent who maybe needs just a little bit more TV time to season up before they're ready to get their rookie Sterks mega push. Um, because there's a lot of really good people on this in this company who are bubbling under. Uh, watching top flight work is always just, you know... I am I am in awe of their physical ability. 
I feel like they're, you know, 85% of the way there and having a little bit of extra time on a smaller, in a smaller company like ROH could do wonders for getting them to be up at a place where they can be having dream matches with the Bucks or the Lucha Bros or, you know, any number of great tag teams that are already on the AEW roster, FTR. Um, I think the big thing for me is, because you have so many people who could use some of that TV time that you use, you know, it's not WWE. You've got three hours of mm-hmm. TV time, not seven. Um, having an extra hour, extra two hours a week, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Am I going to watch? Probably not. I only have but so much out of wrestling that I'm able to uh to take in every week, but some people will, and more dedicated fans, especially fans of ROH, there's a lot of really good technical wrestlers on that on that show, and some good young ones, Daniel Garcia, Wheeler Yuta are both very, very good young technical wrestlers, who could use a little bit more of shine, a little bit more shine, and this is a perfect opportunity to get that. All of the rest of it, I feel like, is people maybe getting caught up in nostalgia over what ROH was and what it is, but what it could be is kind of NXT, and I don't think that's a bad thing. All right, the the TV deal, though, being the um, on uh, this on the streaming service, um, Nate, let, let let's let's talk about that. Like, what are your thoughts on that? So the biggest question for me with AEW and Tony Khan, you know, acquiring ROH was always going to be the TV component because as we know, as we've known for a long time, fellas, without TV, it is very hard to be a promotion that gains any traction nowadays. You know, this is New Japan cough. <laughs> yes. You know, this isn't like the the seventies or the eighties even, where you know a territory could just you know be a territory. You know, we, we we didn't need this TV. You know, at best we had like local TV at some studio in Minneapolis, and you know, we didn't need that national out out outlook or uh, outlet. But TV is so critical and so crucial for these companies now, and so the biggest question for me always was going to be. What is up with Time Warner slash HBO Max slash Discovery? Because that, you know, we talked about The Rock and Black Adam. That company has had a hell of a year in terms of figuring out what they're doing. And so the fact that we're going to do ROH or Tony's going to do ROH in the streaming platform, it kind of works for me because ROH is a company that a lot of people have fondness for. You know, it was never my number one brand. But you can't discount how influential it was, you know. ROH, and to a lesser extent, Impact influenced a lot of what became NXT and what became AEW. And so there's a lot of talent that can benefit from this. Not only people on the AEW roster that are already established, like Claudio, that really don't fit in because AEW's got so much talent on the roster and they've got only three hours of TV time a week to fill it in. But also these up-and-comers, you know, these folks that are on dark week in and week out that have great matches that, unfortunately, not a lot of people are watching because not a lot of people are trained to sit in front of YouTube and watch wrestling. And so I think it's a great deal. Uh, I'm excited for it. Uh, But I will give you the caveat, Rylan, that – I feel like Tony's biggest mistake with ROH thus far is 
his insistence of I'm going to be in charge of everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. To me, again, like I hate to bring it back to that man, Cody Devontae Rhodes, but to me, like having Cody Rhodes like be your ROH guy and Tony be in charge of AEW, I think that could have been really fascinating with some of the storytelling, some of the booking that you could have done there. Uh, so that's my only hope is that Tony doesn't get burned out. Tony doesn't get stretched too thin trying to do AW, ROH, uh, whatever he's doing with the Jaguars. He's got the soccer club. Like Tony's a very busy man. Uh, and so hopefully he can manage his time, budget his time and really give ROH the development and the nurture that it needs because it's a golden opportunity, not only to have more programming, uh, which presumably in the future could translate to more revenue, but also as a place for some of these guys and girls to get TV time and to get reps in the ring and to become more established working alongside people like Claudio or, you know, the Briscoes or, you know, Athena. So I'm hoping, I'm rooting for ROH, uh, but we'll see. We'll see, guys. You know, <laughs> The, the last time I bought Honor Club, ROH ended up owing me a refund because they went out of business. Uh, so let's let's hope Honor Club 2.0 goes not only better than the original Honor Club, but better than NXT 2.0. 100%. I will say, when it comes to Ring of Honor, like, I have taken in a couple of the paper or two of the three pay-per-views that they put hmm. out this year. Both of them, stellar matches, the tag team match. Uh, like, yes, I'm, I'm having yes. a hard... I'm having a hard time finding a better match than I saw the other night, uh, this year. Um, I'm going to have to go back and watch, but the, the, the end of the year awards is certainly going to be, uh, fun to, fun to talk about. With all that being said, guys, uh, we're going to get into the final segment of the show, which is just some quick predictions, uh, for 2023. Nate, I'm going to start with you. The NBA finals, who's playing? Who's winning? Mmm. In my, in my fantasy booking, you know, we, we get, we're getting, the Lakers and the Hawks in the thrilling seven game series, fellas. Like the, the matchup everybody wants to see, Trey the Barge versus the King. But that's, it. that's not what's going to happen. Like, come on guys. I've got, I've got credibility on, on the line here when it comes to, when it comes to the NBA. So we talked about the Warriors earlier. I think the Warriors are going to be in the mix. A team that. I feel like is overachieving and underachieving at the exact same time is the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. Like I feel like, yeah, like the Suns, I I don't know where to fit them. Um, I'm really high on the Grizzlies, man. Like I I love John Morant. I want to see John on that big stage. Uh, The Cavaliers have quietly made some shrewd moves over the years. Like they've actually got, a team that, you know, I'm not saying the Cavaliers are going to be in the finals, but they've got a contender hey, at look, least. Big guys can play basketball. Who knew? Yes. <laughs> um, but you know what? I'm going to go with – let's go with the rematch from the finals a couple of years ago. Greek Freak, D-Book, let's do it again. Okay. All right. Suns Bucks. Suns Bucks. Kyle. I like the idea of the NBA is always at its best when they have an established power playing up against an up-and-comer, get that passing of the torch opportunity. Mm. Uh, give me Bucks grizzlies for the final. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. Me too. I like that. Um, guys, the Super Bowl. Nate, who do you think's playing and who's winning? All right. So Super Bowl 
it's hard to bet against Philly. Like, I think Philly's done a great job this season. Jalen uh, Hurts is certainly in the MVP discussion. Uh, the Cowboys, you know, Jerry Jones and his activities in high school, not notwithstanding, I think the Cowboys are a uh, solid squad. They're going to be in the mix. Uh, it brings me joy that Tom Brady, uh, oh my God. See, <laughs> like Tom Brady never, never, I, you know, we, we can't dispute the greatness of Tom Brady. You know, he's, he's not the greatest of all time in my opinion, but he's certainly on that short list. Uh, but Tom Brady going from Super Bowl, cha- perfect, perfect ending, Super Bowl champion, beautiful wife, kids. He's got it all, but he had to keep coming back, man. Now you're in divorce, Tom Brady. The kids ain't staying with you no more. And you're losing. You're out here on these streets losing to Geno Smith. You're out here on these streets losing to Brock Purdy. To quote Eric Killmonger in Black Panther, Kyle, is this your king? <laughs> is this your king this time, Brady? We're seeing stumble to the finish line. Uh, like the, the NFC South is is so weird. You know, obviously I'm a Falcons fan and I am every day I vacillate between wanting the Falcons to win the South and get to the playoffs or losing the remainder of their games to get better draft position. Uh, but I think, you know, the Bucks will probably end up coming out of there. Geno Smith, you know, we talk about big stories of the year. Salute to that brother for 100%. the comeback he's had in his career. You know, as he said, they, a lot of people wrote him off, but he never wrote back. Uh, San Francisco is so deep, like so deep. It doesn't matter who they have behind center because that defense is so good and they've got so many offensive weapons. So I'm, you know what? I had an NBA rematch in my finals. I think I'm going with the NFL rematch in the Super Bowl. You know, no disrespect to the Bengals, no disrespect to the Buffalo Bills, but I'm going with the San Francisco 49ers, be it Jimmy G or Brock Purdy behind center taking on Patrick Mahomes and those Kansas City Chiefs, and the Chiefs win another ring. I like that prediction. I like that prediction a lot. Kyle? I'm going to be boring. Um, I'm doing the exact same thing. Mm. <laughs> Here's the thing. It's For me, the big thing about it is the 49ers are so talented uh, that – I think that talent is just going to be able to carry over in the NFC. And the big thing is, you know, for all of these guys, and we're t- so we're talking about um, for the quarterbacks who are going to be in the playoffs in the NFC, it's looking like it's going to be uh, Jalen Hurts, who admittedly is balling out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be Dak Prescott, who is, you know, a legitimate good quarterback, but one who, who has not had any real playoff success. Kirk Cousins, the mm. remnants of Tom Brady, Brock <laughs> Purdy, and either Daniel Jones or Geno Smith, or maybe both of them. And let's not forget, Jared Goff is in the mix. Mm. Quietly, the NFC... Um, the quarterback situation is cheeks, um, but <laughs> some of these guys really elevated themselves. So, I mean, it stands to reason that the quarterback is going to, it's going to be somebody surprising. 
I don't think anybody's expecting Kirk Cousins to make a, a Super Bowl, but he's, you know, in the mix. I don't think anybody was expecting going into the season, especially that Jalen Hurts would be, you know, in the Super Bowl, but it's definitely a possibility. But at the same time, if we're talking about sheer talent on the team, you're going to have a hard time getting me to bid against the San Francisco 49ers. And then on top of that, um, we might get the opportunity to get that great rematch between the Chiefs and Bills. But until mm-hmm. such time that, that um, my man Jaheim Allen um, <laughs> is uh, – look, all I'm saying is we would have found out that he could run way earlier if it was Jaheim and not Josh. But, yes, I mean, I mean Josh Allen, again, theme of the day, he is deceptively fast, guys. Yes. Um, but until such time that Patrick Mahomes is knocked off his pedestal, um, I am not going to be the one betting against him. And uh, shout out to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, the team that I am supporting, um, doing the most Raiders thing possible, <laughs> which is firing a good coach to hire Josh McDaniels. Mm. Chef's kiss on that. Losing one. to Baker Mayfield fresh off the street. Yep. <laughs> From the waiver wire, the happiest I've ever seen Baker Mayfield. Baker didn't even know the plays. Baker barely had time to read the playbook. I mean, yeah, this is this is the reality. Rich (laughs) Pistachio, just saying, he's still there. He is currently a special teams coordinator. It would Mm. not sit. You could call him, and he would pick up that phone. That's all I'm saying. I mean, to be fair though, Kyle, it could be worse. You could be having the season that the Denver Broncos fans are having to endure. And um, I can't imagine waking up at 4 a.m. on a transatlantic Atlantic flight and looking over and seeing Russell Wilson doing high knees. I cannot. <laughs> you simply will not. I will not be able to imagine such a thing um, as a football, a professional football player having to deal with. All right, guys, the final question of our prediction segment. Uh, both nights of WrestleMania, what's the main event? Kyle, I'm going to start with you. Oh, um, all right. Uh, I'm gonna, I'll go chalk and say that The, the Rock and um, the, I'm going to say, yeah, the, we'll say The Rock and Roman Reigns is going to be a match. Mm. But, but I don't think that should be for titles. Mm-hmm. As I think, if you're doing that match for championship, um, we already know who's going to win. Whereas if it's for who gets to be the tribal chief, that's far more interesting, and mm-hmm. it doesn't telegraph the winner. Yes. So we got to get the title off of Roman before WrestleMania to a credible person who could take it from him. We don't have a lot of options, but... I'm going to say for night, and for night one, we've had a tradition. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure who that title is going to go to, but um, I'd say your three options right now are Cody, Drew, and Walter. Pick one. Mm-hmm. All are good choices. Heck, honestly, for the year that he's had, I would not be upset if Sheamus got another title. Mm. Um, uh, but here's what I will say. Night one has been, uh, for the last couple of years, has belonged to uh, the women. I see absolutely no reason to uh, 
take that tradition away. So give me Bianca Belair versus Bailey. Hmm. We haven't had Bianca. We've had Bianca wrestle a couple people. We haven't had her wrestle Bailey yet, and I would like to see that match. So that's that's the one I'm on. Bianca and Bailey has been going on for a while, Kyle. Yes, no, but I mean, like, we haven't seen that on the on the grandest stage. Oh, okay, okay, fair enough. Mm. Fair. We've seen her. We've seen her wrestle Sasha. We've seen her wrestle Becky Lynch. Mm-hmm. Next person I'd like to see, and the face heel dynamic works. Make it make Bailey. Mm. All right, Nate. So this is a difficult question because yes, I think. Obviously, Roman Reigns is going to be the headliner of one of those nights, presumably the second night. Uh, but the question is, who's going to headline that first night? And, yes, tradition as well as kind of the changing appetite of wrestling fans and the changing climate in the world kind of has been to give that first night to the ladies uh, to close the, close the show. And so the question then becomes, what's the match? And I think you've got two options. You can either go – Ronda versus Becky, which is probably your biggest star power match yep. for the women. Or you can go Bianca versus Bailey. And uh, I'm not quite there. Like I, I think like I love both Bianca and Bailey. I'm not sure by the time we get to WrestleMania if that's a match that people will be wanting, given that we've seen them interact a lot in the last few months. Here's a here's a wild card. Okay, so here's my wild card. I say we take your Bianca and Bailey and, and we raise you one. So Bianca is, is, is having trouble with damage control. She can't control this damage, Kyle. But she, she doesn't have any friends that she can really count on. You know, Oscar's kind of a friend. Alexa's kind of a friend, friend of me, you know. Yeah. She doesn't have any real friends that have her back. So I'm saying the main event for night one of WrestleMania, six woman tag match, damage control, Bailey, EO, and Dakota Kai versus Bianca Belair and the returning Naomi and Sasha Banks. Ooh, please, please let us all take a moment to wit, to pray that into existence because I know I have now heard it and I now need that match. Yeah, I think that's like again, other than a Ronda match, and even I think even more so than a Ronda match, the return of Sasha and Naomi teaming them up with Bianca against Damage Control. From a storyline perspective and an in-ring perspective, I think there's a lot you can do with that leading up to Mania. And so then that brings us to night two. What's the main event? I think it's going to be Rock and Roman, but not for the title, because I believe Cody Rhodes will have won the title before then. Uh, and this match is for bragging rights. It's for who is the head of the table. Uh, I think we'll get Cody... You know what? I think as a reward to Seth, I would run it back from last year's Mania in terms of our title match and go Cody and Seth for the title. Agreed. Uh, that would be amazing. On either one of those nights. But closing out the night, it would be Dwayne The Rock Johnson, the biggest star in the world, in Hollywood, the home of movies, making up for the flop that was Black Adam by showing us that he <laughs> might not be a superhero, Rylan Turner, but he is and will always be. The head of the table. I like it. Uh, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll throw my predictions out here as well. Uh, I think the direction that they're gonna go with Bianca, and it's not necessarily something that I'm clamoring to see. Dependent upon how it goes, is Bianca and Charlotte at WrestleMania. Now, mm. 
the only way I'm interested in this is if Bianca beats Charlotte. Yeah. I don't want to see Charlotte come back and beat Bianca at WrestleMania. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. We, we have seen Bian- Charlotte beat Bianca uh, before, and it wasn't a positive. No, it was not. So this, I think that this um, this would be a perfect opportunity to have that. You could even play on that. You could play on the fact that before Bianca was on the main roster and Charlotte was the NXT champion, she beat her. And, oh, God, that whole segment was terrible. But, um, no, uh, I, I think this could, this could be a, a really good moment for Bianca. And it puts her over one of the biggest stars in the company. So, like, I, it's even, it's adding to her already great year uh, and great run as champion. Um, and the other um, – I think there's somebody that we're, we're not talking about here. Um, we, have, we have Elimination Chamber coming in, in, in just a few weeks. And the location of that is Montreal. I would really love to see Sami Zayn take down uh, Roman Reigns. I think it's unlikely, but I would like to see him get maybe a, a swerve victory. A, a, a turn happens in between. Honestly, if you're in Montreal, I feel like you're you're even more likely for it to be Kevin Owens. It, it could be. It very well could mm. be. But, the, you know, like, we'll see. We'll see, considering that, you know, there was some yelling with those two as well. Or you um, could do Sami and Kevin versus the Usos. You could. You could go that direction, too. too. But the, uh, what I was going to do is is have Sammy beat Roman at Elimination Chamber, go into mm-hmm. WrestleMania as the champion, Cody Rhodes wins the Rumble, and you get Cody and Sammy, and I, mm. I mean, I just think that match is tremendous. Hmm. Not bad. I don't hate that. I think that, you know, it would be a really good way to open night two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just give them 20 minutes and just and just let them go. Nate, I want to say, firstly, thank you so much for coming out Christmas Eve morning and, and, and talking sports and wrestling with Kyle and myself. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show every single time. So thank you so much for joining us. No problem, Rylan. Always a pleasure, brother. And, and uh, you know, good to kind of reflect on the year with you and Kyle the, uh, once again. And we, we've made this a bit of a tradition, so I'm excited to uh, do it again in 2023. I uh, hope everybody out there has a safe and happy holiday season. Merry Christmas, happy Kwanzaa, happy Hanukkah, happy Festivus for the rest of us. Uh, whatever you celebrate, uh, enjoy it, be safe, and uh, yeah, I, I, I'm excited. So uh, as long as these checks keep clearing, Rollin, <laughs> I, I will pick up the phone. Uh, but but as soon as those uh, checks stop clearing, I will be much like Magic Johnson said famously. Uh, hey Nate, are you gonna join Rollin and Kyle this year? I'm not gonna be there. kyle thank you so much for getting me through every almost every one of these sports reports this year you've been a a big help and again thank you so much for getting me back into the olympics and into soccer of all things um kyle uh, or actually nate why don't you do some plugging right now to send the people where you're where, where they can find you other than you know this program Yes, uh, you can find me in a multitude of places and platforms. Uh, first and foremost is the Kings of Sport, a uh, show that's been going on since 2013. So we are coming up on our 10th anniversary of the Kings of Sport podcast. Thank you, brother. So it started with myself and Marcus Vandenberg. Marcus uh, made his exit from the team uh, last year uh, to move on to Greener Pastures at ESPN. So we're extremely proud of the brother. Uh, but we're still going with the Kings of Sport. Right now, it's myself and a revolving rotation of uh, guests and friends, uh, most notably Chris from L.A., 
uh, is joining me on the Kings of Sport. We've got a Patreon, patreon.com backslash the Kings of Sport. Five bucks gets you in the door. So, uh, if you want to do something good for yourself, not even for me, I don't, I don't want your money. I don't need your money, ladies and gentlemen, but think of this as, as a gift for yourself. The gift of conversation. So it's over 200 hours of audio and video talking sports, politics, pro wrestling, pop culture, uh, MCU reviews, a lot of great stuff up there on the Patreon. Uh, five bucks gets you in the door. So check that out if you decide to. Uh, let's see. There's the post wrestling, uh, family of shows. I'm on two shows at post wrestling, the Rocky Mavia picture show, which is a film podcast that covers the work of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Coming up in 2023, we, we, we will be talking about Black Adam, uh, the movie that changed the power hierarchy in Hollywood. Uh, so stay tuned for Black Adam coming up on Rocky Mavia Picture Show. And there's also the NWA podcast, the Nubian Wrestling Advocates, which is a show about the wrestling business from the perspective of black journalists, media members, fans, and at times performers. It's me, Chris from L.A., and Andrew Thompson, uh, one of the hardest working guys in the business. So uh, check that out over at Post. And finally, there is the DC TV podcast network where I am the host of the, uh, one of the hosts of the Lituation Room alongside Brittany Monet, Vanessa Shark, and Clement Bryant. Uh, again, much like NWA, the Lituation Room is a show that takes a look at movies and pop culture and TV shows through the lens of black nerds. So you can check all of that out. Find me on Twitter while Twitter is still a thing at in the number eight, M-O-Z-A-I-K at Nate Mosaic. Uh, again, thanks for having me guys. And if, uh, Herschel Walker is listening, uh, I too think werewolves are cooler than vampires, Herschel. Uh, now, uh, have a good night and don't think about running for elected office ever again in your life, sir. Kyle, uh, before I get you to send the people home with our social medias and the outro, well, I guess I'll, I'll do the outro. It's, it's the sports show. Um, I just want to let everybody know that this month uh, at Wednesday Night Wallop, we have a ton of shows. We uh, A few weeks back, we dropped a Ring of Honor Final Battle review. Uh, Kyle and I, on Christmas Day, have a show dropping where we're talking about our top five wrestling video games as well as our top mm. ten characters in wrestling video games. That was a really fun chat. I also get to break the news to Kyle in that show that uh, AEW is coming to Winnipeg, and he's mm. so giddy. It's great. Um, I'm, I'm excited to hear that as well as I'm sure a 20 minute discussion about WCW backstage assault. Oh, <laughs> oh uh, didn't make the list. <laughs> Others receiving consideration. We did talk the, about the WCW. Title sponsor but... of uh, New Blood Rising. <laughs> Uh, along with that, we also have December 23rd, Jaggers Eve, myself, Kyle Joseph, uh, DK from World's Funniest Podcast, uh, and uh, tentatively our producer, RJ, and his girlfriend are going to sit down. We're going to talk about restaurants. We're going to talk about our Spotify rap lists. We're going to talk about James Bond. Kyle, are you ready for three hours of James Bond? Three hours of James Bond and uh, a bottle of Jaeger. You are, you are asking much of me, Ryan <laughs> I I believe you can do it. It's three years in a row, my friend. Uh, and of course, to end the year, we have our Wednesday Night Wallop Awards presenting the best and worst of pro wrestling. Kyle, uh, man, this is going to be a fun list to do this year. Oh, 100%. The best list. Oh, my goodness. This is a good year. Yes, absolutely. Uh, with all that being said, Kyle, why don't you tell the fine folks where they can find us on social medias? 
Uh, they can find us on Twitter, so long as that is still a thing, at WNWallup. Instagram, WNWallup. On Facebook, search Wednesday at Wallop. Our names, that's us. If you want to find me on Twitter while it remains still active, uh, speaking of the checks clearing, it is at KJ. that is L-E-R-E-G-E-N-D-A-R-Y-K-J. Rylan, what is your Twitter handle? It is at R-Y-A-M Sport Report, and I don't know if it's just the fact that uh, I, I just have nothing but wrestling on Twitter, but it's always been as negative as it, as it is right now to me. So I, I, I understand where you guys are coming from, but I'm like, this has always been bad. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Merry Christmas, uh, ha- Happy New Year, Happy Holidays to everybody. Have a good afternoon, good evening, and good night. You've been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wallop Media. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at Rylan Wallop and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Wallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. You can find his work at facebook.com slash spearkingco. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, maisiemulderdesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website, shows.acast.com slash wallopmedia.